Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. My name is Ben Stapley, and I serve on staff as the executive pastor, but I have the honor this morning of introducing our guest speaker, Pastor Phil Muncy. Yes, you guys are ready. I know this. I know that you're like, I don't want to hear the bio. Just get him on stage. I understand, but let me go through. Let me go through already. Pastor Phil, if you don't know, he started a church, Life Church in Orange County, and he was pastoring there for 30 years. Uh, Beyond that, he's been a host at the TBN, and he's interviewed over 2,000 people for decades. Beyond that, he currently serves on staff alongside Joel Osteen at Lakewood Church, one of the largest churches in America as an associate pastor. If you've ever interacted with Pastor Phil, and you've heard him talk, either seen him or read his writings, you know one thing, he is a master encourager. He's going to encourage us today as well with this message, and he's going to encourage us tonight as well. But before he encourages us, let us encourage him by giving him a big TLCC welcome, Pastor Phil Muncy. You guys are so good. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for that warm reception. It's good to see you all today. It's good to see the sun. And good to see you. Thank you so much. Give it up for our great musicians. What a, what a great anointing upon them. And it's so wonderful to be with you. We love you. We love your pastor, one of the great leaders in the body of Christ. He's not just your pastor and a great shepherd, but very much respected in the body of Christ. Very happy for his new book, which I think is going to be a classic. It'll be read by people for the next 50 years. And uh, just so proud of him. Pastor Terry and I and Jeannie, my wife, and uh, Sharon, we have been raised together. So we come from the same tribe. We probably met in carriages and baby strollers side by side at a good old Pentecostal camp meeting. (laughs) And so I guess uh, uh, I come every year at Pentecost. I'm the Pentecostal poster boy for uh, this church. So uh, Terry, trust me, uh, either that or he's scared of me because he's not here today and he's just sent me in by myself. But... uh, It's my job today to help you celebrate one of the greatest holy days of the year, and that's Pentecost Sunday. Uh, And so today we're going to emphasize Pentecost, not the denomination, but the experience that the church was birthed in. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, and the impact and the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in our lives Tonight, we're going to do an anointing service. We're going to get the anointing oil of James chapter 5, and we're going to anoint every man, woman, child, teenager. And in that anointing, uh, we're going to release all the power that the Holy Spirit has promised us. And it's found in understanding even how the oil works. It preserves, it protects, it eliminates friction, it creates uh, an aroma it brings energy and strength. So it's going to be very empowering tonight. And uh, we worship for about 30 minutes. And then I'm going to uh, prophetically release the word of the Lord. And then we're going to pray. It's a wonderful time. I just encourage all of you to join us tonight. 
and make this a special day. Let's go to Acts, the second chapter, and read, and let me explain to you Pentecost. So the Bible tells us, and I'll read, I'm going to go through this whole chapter as quick as I can, because it really pretty much frames Pentecost and what it's all about. So the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one mind, in one accord, and in one place. Now, the reason why it said the day of Pentecost has fully come is because Pentecost was already a Jewish holiday. So there were three holidays that were major for the Jewish people. One was the Passover and the Atonement and Pentecost. And so they were a type of what we now experience in the Christian faith that we celebrate Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. Sad thing about Pentecost is that we need to hire a really good firm in New York to market Pentecost because it just hasn't been getting equal time. I mean, Christmas is celebrated, and uh, actually the whole world celebrates Christmas. And Christmas is the celebration that God became flesh. God, Emmanuel, dwelt among us. What an incredible story Christmas is, that God would somehow mysteriously and miraculously be reduced to a DNA cell that the Holy Spirit would take and overshadow the Blessed Mary and break through the womb of her flesh and release what would become God in the flesh. And Jesus came, and the purpose of Jesus was to reveal who God was to us. Because, I mean, as you read the Old Testament, it can be a bit intimidating and confusing. This God of judgment, this God, who is he? What's his intention? Because it's really hard to grab and to, to grasp who God is when you read the Old Testament. It's vague, it's intimidating, it's glorious, it's wonderful. We embrace it. But Jesus, the Bible says, Hebrews explains it the best. It says, God, who in various ways and in various times revealed himself to the prophets and to the kings and to the leaders. And, but in these last days, and the last days he was speaking there in context was the last days of the old covenant. So the old covenant was about the end. Jesus came in, and the Bible says that he was God in the flesh. And what was his role? He was the brightness. He was the visible image of the invisible God. It was through him the world was made. It was through him. And he came to reveal to man who God was. You see, everybody has a God. Everybody was designed to have a God. And some people have become their own God. Because in all reality, there is a vacuum that we were created with, a need for God. We are our best when we are, in fact, connected with God. But there's so many opinions, so many ways, so many religions. And people had, by the time Jesus came to the earth, there were already thousands of gods, of people trying to put a frame of reference on who God was and box him in and put an idol to his name. 
But Jesus came, and that one scripture says, the fullness of God dwelt in him bodily. So what do we see Jesus says? If you want to know who God is, how he thinks, the way he operates, look at Jesus. Study his words, study his works, because Jesus came to say, you don't have to guess who God is. I've come to tell you who he is and show you how to connect to him. That's why Jesus was not really creating controversy. He was creating hope when he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You no longer have to guess. You no longer have to study all the religions in the world. Look to me. I've made God accessible. I am the way. So Jesus comes, and we celebrate his coming, Emmanuel, God with us at Christmas time. Jesus lives 33 and a half years, and he tells us how God thinks, the Beatitudes. He tells us how we react to people. He teaches us how to love. Jesus is so wonderful. Can you imagine how many of you would have loved to spend three and a half years hanging out with God in the flesh, the Son of God, Jesus Christ? How cool would that be, right? I mean, just imagine being with Jesus. What, what, what are we going to do today, Jesus? Well, we're going to bust up a few funerals. We're going to do a banquet later on. I'm going to feed 5,000 men and their children and their, and, and their wives, and we're going to do that with a Happy Meal from McDonald's. And we're going to show how God can make something out of nothing. And, and I'm going to show how God responds to sin and to sinners and how much he loves everybody. And you're going to see, and just imagine hanging around him, just every word that he spoke, everything that he did. And then he kept saying this. And this is so important about where we're going today and tonight. So important. Jesus kept deferring away from himself and pointing to the fact that everything he did, it was through the Father. The Father was telling him what to say, and the Father was telling him what to do. When he opened the blind eyes, when he set people free, they would say, you're amazing. He would say, it is not me, but it's the Father that does it through me. How many understand that? Now, if I can just, just hover there for a few moments. The Bible says that Jesus took on flesh and he submitted himself to the limitations of humanity. So here's God submitting himself to that DNA cell. He grows into a baby, into a man, and he's never once cheated. He's never stepped out of his humanity to be God because he's trying to prove a point. He's trying to prove that divinity and humanity can actually connect and we were made to do life together, not separate from God. And so the miracles he did, he didn't actually do them. The Father did it through him. This is important because the mission of Jesus was not just to be a hero and not just to show everybody how God is, but ultimately he was going to transfer everything that he had access to to us. Wow. And that was the mandate of Jesus. How did that happen? The Bible says that Jesus submitted himself to the cross. He died on the cross. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And that's how we celebrate Easter. And Easter is one of the biggest Christian holidays there is. How wonderful. 
the marketing has worked for Easter. And it's the biggest Sunday of the year. But had Easter not happened, Christmas would not have meant anything. Because God coming in the flesh and then not dying for our sins and giving us access to God, then Christmas would be meaningless. It would just be a great story. But because of Easter, we now have access to God because Christ, who knew no sin, became righteous for us so that we who did no sin could be the righteousness of God. So what did Jesus do? He died, he was buried, he rose again. And now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And what's he doing? He's standing in the gap for you and I. He prays for you constantly. He's interceding before the Father for you constantly. He's absorbing your sins and your failures. And so that anytime you need God, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to wait. You have to beat yourself into it. The Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because Jesus is absorbing your mess. And that is a good time to clap your hands right there because the Holy Spirit is exactly that, holy. In fact, if I can just give you this image for a moment, in the Old Testament, the holy holies, the Holy Spirit had a geographical location. It was in the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Ark of the Covenant was something that only priests and that only once a year could go into the, 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 tab, the holy place and have access to the Ark, which was the presence of God. And it was so dangerous, so fearful, so holy, so potent, so pure that the practice of sacrifice of the animals and the, everything had to be done perfectly. In fact, history says that these priests had a rope tied around their ankle and they had bells around their robe and they were the first to wear bell bottoms. <laughs> I know, right? Cheesy. But there was a reason because as they would walk into the gate and then into the holy place and then as they would go into the holies of holies, if they had not done everything perfectly correct, when humanity came in contact with the purity of God's divinity, many times there's at least one recording where a priest touched the ark inappropriately, he was struck dead. That's how holy, potent, and how powerful the holy place. Now, so what did Jesus do? He took that holy place and by him being our intercessor, our advocate. You ever heard anybody say, the man upstairs? Anybody ever heard anybody say, yeah, man, the man upstairs? Well, I used to be offended at that. Sound like, what do you mean talking about? God's not a man. And then it, I realized, Timothy said this, there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So positionally try to grasp this if you can. Right now, before God is the man Christ Jesus who is able to intercede, understand. He was you. He was human. In fact, there's no temptation that he hasn't gone through that you and I have even come close to. You see, when we give in to temptation, we never felt the full impact of it because you gave in. 
So you don't even know what it feels like to be tempted, resisted, and never experience it because we all are weak in that area. Christ was able to take it to its full temptation, its full pressure, its full impact, and yet never give in to it. So the Bible says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Isn't it great to know when you go to God that you got the man, Christ Jesus, saying, I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm so mad at my husband. I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm so upset with it. I get it, I get it. And so that role is available so that anytime you want to pray, you step boldly into the throne room of God. Boldly, why? Because Jesus has got your back. Amen. But you see, Easter doesn't mean anything without Pentecost. Because Easter represents Jesus dying, being buried. He rose again. But that wasn't the full impact of what Christ wanted to do on the earth. What he wanted to do is then transfer his mandate, his mission, his life, his words, his works, and transfer it and put it into every human being that would be open to receive access to the same God with the same grace on their life. So Jesus, for 40 days after his resurrection, he walks among the people to prove that it was him. Touch my hands. Touch my feet. I am he, and I have risen from the dead. He did that for 40 days and walked among people and talked to them. After 40 days, he went to Bethany, and this is also vital. I know it's a little boring, but just hang in there with me. This is important. So he goes to Bethany, and he gathers all of the people that are following him, that are witnessing that he's truly alive, that this is not just a, 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 a fairy tale. And then he says to them, over the next 10 days, I want you to make a journey to Jerusalem. There's going to be an upper room that I've rented for you. And there, I want you to seek for the Holy Spirit. Don't preach. Don't do any miracles. Don't start any church services. Don't do anything until you're endued with power from on high. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, who carried Jesus, she goes to the day of Pentecost. She goes. All of these disciples that had already done signs and wonders, they go. And there's a reason why, and this is a little theological, but give me 30 seconds to explain it. Jesus said in John 7, he said, if you're thirsty, come to me, and I will give you water to drink. And then he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And I'm quoting now. This he spake of the Holy Spirit, who had not yet been given because he had not yet been glorified. Now put the dots together. Why wasn't the Holy Spirit given to humanity? They felt it. The Holy Spirit was around them. They understood the unction of it, but they couldn't possess the Holy Spirit. Why? Jesus wasn't glorified. What does that fancy, what does all that theology mean? What does it mean? It means that Jesus had not died, sacrificed for our sins, was accepted by God as the ultimate sacrifice, stepped in that row as our advocate, and now what would kill a priest is now living inside our heart. In fact, the Bible says, prophets and kings, Moses and David desired to have access to what you and I have, but they did not 
but now you have that. The challenge of it is, is that Pentecost has been lost. We have somehow found our way drifting from the gift and seemingly thinking that we can do the works and live the life and do all that God has for us without this empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And my job today is to get you stirred, to get you hungry for something more. Now, I know you have the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what drew you here. No one can come to God without the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's been working in your life. Some of you, the Holy Spirit was working in your life while you were just a, a terrible sinner. How many were just terrible? No, never mind. I want to ask you to raise your hand. And so the, the Holy Spirit is now offering himself. Now we have access to, that, access to this beautiful experience. And so on Pentecost Sunday, even though they had been celebrating it for centuries, Today, it would be fully released. This would be the true Pentecost. And the word Pentecost means 50. So 50 days after Christ rose from the dead is when the church was birthed. Without Pentecost, Easter means nothing. Without Easter, Christmas means nothing. So I'm pushing my way into your mind, into your theology, into your little understanding of Christianity and say, make room for Pentecost, because that is where the real rubber meets the road when the Holy Spirit is given to his disciples. So this wanting to be with Jesus for three and a half years, how joyful that would be. But one day Jesus said to all of his followers, he said, I'm going to go away. No, no, Jesus, don't even talk like that. We love being with you. Children love to be with you. Young people love to be with you. Sinners love to be with you. The only people that don't like you are the religious people. Jesus, please do not leave. We do not want to go back to the 631 laws. We cannot try to be good enough for God. Being with you has made us feel connected to God. Please don't leave. And Jesus said, don't be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. If you believe in me, I want you to believe what I'm about to say. I'm going to go away. I'm, I've got a role to play in the protocol of access to the Holy Spirit. I've got a role to play. But I'm going to prepare a place that where you've seen me for three and a half years, I've stepped into this place. And in this place, I would do the works of the Father. I would speak the words of the Father. I would manifest. God to people in this place. And now I'm going to go away, but I'm going to prepare a place that where I've been with the Father, you may be also. We will come and make our home with you. Your heart was made to be a home for the Holy Spirit. And so... That's what it meant for the day of Pentecost to be fully on the day of Pentecost. Let's finish. And it came in as a rushing mighty wind where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as fire. One sat at each one of them. It's personal, you see. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Say with me, filled with the Holy Spirit. And friends, this is the key that I want you to celebrate on Pentecost Sunday. To be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means exactly that, to be under the influence, to be under the control. 
It means that, you see, and, and the biggest challenge that many of us have is that we are filled, but we've not made enough room for the Holy Spirit to be more engaged in our lives. They asked the 17-year-old genius, the scientist, I forgot his name, but they put a glass of water in front of him, and they said, is the water, is this glass half full, or is it half empty, right? And he made a brilliant response. He said, the glass is full, half of it with water, the other half with air. And so, I don't want to be uh, like a smart aleck right now, but I do want to make a point. You are full of it. What is the it you're full of? Because there'll be no vacuum. It will be filled. And so what happens is we have to be careful that we don't drift from our gift, that we don't let the Pentecost experience be something that happens every once in a while, but that it's an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit that is a constant being filled. The disciples got filled in Acts 2. They got renewed in Acts 3. They had another outpouring in Acts 4. In Acts 5, they came to realize how much God cares about our money. In Acts 6, 7, and 8, they went through persecution. In Acts 15, they saw racial reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles come together supernaturally, not by might, not by the will of man, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. These were an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit that the first church lived in. We have to be careful that we don't ghost the ghost. And we used to say Holy Ghost when I was growing up. We thought people said Holy Spirit were watering it down. We were Holy Ghost people. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. But there's a term, and if you're over 50, you don't know what it means to ghost somebody. But ask your grandkids to get you on the Internet. Go to Google and Google Ghost. And it's a term kind of used in the dating world where you, where you ghost somebody. What that means is you ignore them. You don't answer their text. And, and you thought you had something going with them and now they're not responding. They're ghosting you. I want to say this as kind as I can. We must very be, be very careful that we don't ghost the ghost. The Bible says we can neglect, we can grieve, we can despise, we can quench. You certainly can dictate how much the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. And today I'm asking you, loosen up, open up, get hungry, embrace the culture and the core values of the church. And so the same thing needs to happen to all of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak with other tongues. Now don't get hung up on the tongues. Don't get hung by the tongue. Because people get really, they get nervous when you talk about speaking in tongues. It's like, oh, 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 that's weird. Ooh, ooh. And so you kind of have to recognize, I don't understand totally why God uses the speaking in tongues to be a sign of the baptism. I, I, I think about Proverbs talks about the power of the tongue. I think about James, the half-brother Jesus said, the tongue is like a flame of fire. James said, you can tame every animal under the sun, but you can't tame, you can't tame that tongue. 
That tongue right there is fire. It creates all the problems, all the difficulties. Every misunderstanding is our mouth gets us in trouble. So maybe God says, and James says, the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. A ship may be thousands of pounds. It may be huge, but the rudder controls where it goes. So I think, and I'm not God, and it doesn't matter. God could have said, I'll make your nose red when you get the baptism. It doesn't matter. He's God, right? But God said, I'll fill you with the Holy Spirit, and then you will speak in a language and an expression that you don't understand the words. It's very vulnerable. It's very personal. It's very intimate. And it's something that you don't need to be afraid of because it's an experience that God has for you. And the challenge is, is you got to be willing to let go of your pride. you got to let your hunger trump your pride. you got to be able to be open and ready and make room for the Holy Spirit. And don't be afraid of what God's going to do when he fills you. Years ago, my, my Andrew, 37 years old, professor of exploratory jazz for the University of California, San Diego. But years ago, I remember I was kissing his mother, my wife of 45 years. And he said, ooh, that's gross. We kind of learned to kind of kiss and, and do all that stuff in front of our teenagers. It really grossed them out. And it's a good way to keep them from really wanting that. It's like, I don't want to do it with my mom and dad. Are you kidding me? And that's what Angie said. Angie said, ah, that's gross. I said, one day you'll do, oh, no, I never want to do that. And I said, praise God. Let's put that down in writing. I want that. I want that. And, of course, the day came when the love and the vulnerability and the desire to be intimate, to express his love. It, it, obviously, that was awakened. May I awaken in you today the desire to talk with the Holy Spirit to let the Holy Spirit talk through you, to fill you so that Christianity to you is not just another religion. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts, but actually it's the empowerment to live the life that Jesus lived. I want to tell you something right now. It's going to get a little darker. It's going to get a little bumpy over the next thousand days. But I tell you this, if you will walk in the Holy Spirit, if you will be filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be a light in the darkness. And we're about to see, well, as you'll see, what God is about to do in New Jersey and around the world. But the Holy Spirit filled them first. You get filled first, and then there'll be a manifestation that will give a witness that you indeed receive this beautiful experience. Now, all those that were drilling, and i got to hurry now, uh, uh, in Jerusalem, devout men from every... They heard this sound. They heard it. The multitude came together and they were confused. And that's normal for people to, to have to be, deal with awkwardness when it comes to being spiritual and connecting with the Holy Spirit. So don't be intimidated by that. It happens. And because what happened is that they heard them speak in their own language. They are all amazed and marveled. And they said to one another... Uh, how is it? Look at these Galileans. And we hear them speaking in our language. Now, I'm not going to read all this, but this will get your tongue loosened up for the Holy Spirit if you'll read all that. <laughs> I'm just joking. Relax. We hear them, but it goes on that we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one, what can mean? Others mock and said they were full of new wine. And Peter stood up and said, no, no, no. These, these, these got, let it be known unto you and, and heed. 
that these men are not drunk as you suppose. These men are not drunk as you suppose because the bars are not even open. But what this is, is what Joel spoke of. And listen to this. This is the promise. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. My men servant and maiden servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Holy Spirit, come today. Fill every heart today. May we be filled with the Holy Spirit. And tonight when I pray, I'm going to anoint you with oil and I'm going to release the gift of prophecy. Because that's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God says we should all have. And prophecy simply means to speak with an unction, to speak with power, to speak with authority. Prophecy can be anything from encouraging somebody to speaking things that you sense and see and discern to protect people from getting in trouble. Prophecy becomes the perspective of God on earth that we're able to grasp ideas about what God's up to and doing. And this is something that all of us need. And I'm going to tell you, young people, now more than ever, young people, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to be able to prophesy. You need to be able to discern what's going on. We're entering into a spiritual war in the next next thousand days and you need to own who you are in the spirit because it's going to get very spiritual in the next thousand days because actually what's pushing all of the agenda of the world behind it is a spiritual movement and that's either good or evil there's no neutral territory and we need the discernment to know What's right, what's wrong? And when you're 13 years old, and I'm sorry, even 10 years old, unfortunately, you're going to have to stand on your own two feet and know your God, amen? And be able to say, yes, no, that's right, that's wrong. Moving on here quickly. Men of Israel, hear these words. The man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know, being delivered by the determined purpose of the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put death, whom God raised up, being loosed from the pains of death because it was not possible that he could be held by it. And I'm moving on quick as, as I can. Therefore, be ex therefore being exalted, that's Jesus, at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured this out which you now see and hear. So watch. The Father gave us Jesus. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. Who gives you the Holy Spirit? Jesus. He baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. And friends, I want you to feel what it's like. Remember when you were water baptized? You submitted to a man or a woman who then took you, if you got baptized like Jesus, in the water, and they usually, the way it goes, you hold your nose, right? And you go down in the water, and then you come up out of that water. That's called water baptism. The Holy Spirit baptism is the same way. You've got to surrender. You've got to surrender to the it, to the fire, to the atmosphere, to the anointing. And when you surrender, and it's very vulnerable during that time when you go down in the water, right? You're like, don't hold me down. Do it quick. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This is what's going to happen tonight for many of you. Jesus is going to take you while we're praying, and he's going to 
baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And you're going to know it. You're going you're gonna to know it. You're going to sense that something radical has happened to you. And don't be ashamed of the fact that if there's something more for you, it doesn't take away what you already have. You have the Holy Spirit. What led you here? You had the Holy Spirit because you said Jesus is Lord. But this is the it factor. This is the it fell factor. This is the experience that happens and it's going to happen. And we're going to see this happen in our nation like a way we've never seen. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, guys, what do we do? What do you want me to do with this, what I'm feeling? And Peter said to them, repent, change your mind. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children. I received my baptism when I was nine years old. Tonight, we're going to see children receive their baptism because children can and should have this experience. And as many as far as the Lord it will call. And with many other words he testified, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized, about 3,000 that day. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, watch this, and had all things in common. At that point, they were selling because there was about to be an economic down, uh, an economic uh, fall. And so God prepared the church for that. And they divided among them all that they had need. And they were in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor. And the Lord added to the church daily, as should be saved. Listen to me now. I'm almost done. I'm going to prophesy to this country. I'm going to prophesy to this church. There is no political party that can save us. The White House is not going to save us. God's house and God's people and the Holy Spirit upon his children is going to do this right here. It's going to, it's going to heal our economy because God will do it because man messes up everything. You don't have to say amen. God's going to break the barriers Race, economics, culture, and there is going to be a call to supernatural unity that nobody has ever been able to manage to do, and it's going to come. Hear me. Within the next thousand days, your estranged family, your sons and your daughters, friends and loved ones that have been divisive and divided by a culture of misunderstanding and confusion is about to see a revival of unity. We're going to see God's glory fill the earth. Amen? And so, I want to pray. We're going to sing a song and I want to pray. I guess really, thank you for listening to me. And I guess the bottom line of what I'm saying to you today is, Thank God for Christmas. Thank God for Easter. But now let's thank God for Pentecost. And, and, and let's make room 
for the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we are full of it. Unfortunately, we're full of things like fear and doubt, anger, resentment, addictions, troubled, troubled. I've never seen so many troubled people in my life. Anxiety is, is, is dominating our culture. There's so much confusion. That's, that's, what the, that's what the Bible means. Babylon is a metaphor for evil when it gets organized. And you've got to remember this about the devil. He has no power. It's been stripped from him. So how is evil continuing? It's because he leverages institutions and hijacks them and uses that power to execute evil upon mankind. And this is so important to have discernment because I studied the book of Revelation and there's a pattern about God and I'm getting off track here real quick, but I'll get back on real quick. There's a pattern in the book of Revelation, which is a cyclical understanding of how the human race operates, how it gets itself in trouble and gets out of trouble. Gives us an understanding of good and evil. It's powerful when you understand it in the right context. But in it, it's as if God gives the enemy the first half of the inning. If you're a baseball fan and you know baseball, the away team bats first. The home team bats last. And I don't like that about God because it's like he gives evil the stage. It's like evil gets to bat first. And evil does a lot of bad things. But let me tell you something about evil. Evil is not only dark, but evil is dumb. I told that to Pastor Benny. He said, what do you mean by that? Evil is like cancer. Cancer gets in your body and will try to destroy it. But here's the thing about cancer. It's not only dark, it's also dumb. Because it will destroy the body that it's actually living in. And that's what evil does. It destroys. It does not build. It doesn't add value. It destroys the body that it's in. And I want to tell you something right now. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us in a new way. And the yoke is going to be broken. And though evil seems to be having a few hits, getting on base, and causing a lot of chaos right now, I'm going to tell you that this is my Father's world. He loves everybody. And He's about to bring an outpouring of His Holy Spirit. And people that hated each other are going to be loving one another. People that have much are going to share with those that have little. And it won't be the work of man. It will be the work of the Holy Spirit. Somebody give the Holy Spirit a little praise, a little thanks, a little honor. <laughs> yeah. So lift your hands with me right now if you're comfortable. Turn your hands like you're going to receive. Lord. Don't let Pentecost be lost. Don't let us by default ghost the ghost. But we lean in today on this beautiful day of Pentecost. We lean in. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love what you can do. Holy Spirit, with your gifts, your gifts of wisdom, of knowledge, of discernment, of the working of miracles, the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, the gift of faith. 
Oh, God, we need these things in our lives. Oh, we need the fruit of the Spirit. We can't love. We can't be long-suffering. We can't have joy. We can't have temperance. We need your help. Fruit of the Spirit, come. Gifts of the Spirit, come. Oh, presence of God, I want to be aware of your presence in my life. I want to not be far from your voice. I want to hear you. I want to be filled. Holy Spirit, come. Would you say that a couple times in your own way, right there, in, your, in the closet of your own personal connection with God? Say these words, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, I will not try to control you. I'm not embarrassed of you. I will not neglect you. I will not despise you. I will not quench you. I come today to you open and completely surrendered. Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is a personal experience. It's something that we live and move in. And today, we're going to experience that.